Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. What's up, y'all? It's Dave here with Blackson. What's up, y'all? It's Jasmine with the New Black Collective. And this is Stories of the Streets. As always, Stories of the Streets is sponsored by the New Black Collective, Black Scent, Change Waco, and Rogue Media Network. And today we have um, two very special guests. Um, one of them, we're doing something new with this uh, podcast. We've never had a guest come on like virtually, so we're going to try that here in a little bit. But I want my first guest to come on and uh, want to introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Tierra Savelles, aka the sweetest tea. Thank you for coming on. Um, we're also waiting on Regine Thornton, but um, like I said, we're meeting her virtually, so we're just kind of waiting, and um, you know, we'll connect with her when we can. Um, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, while we're, while we're waiting. Yeah. So currently, I work at Baylor University, and I work with Ray Jean to start this kind of organization called Unite. And it really is about just kind of, one, connecting the community and promoting education, as well as just kind of finding finding ways to combat systemic racism and oppression. You said you work at Baylor. Um, is, like, building Unite all you do at Baylor, or what else do you do at Baylor? Oh, no. I am currently a Ph.D. student at Baylor, so it was just something that I did with, like, people that I met there. Yeah, spare time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's how you met uh, Regine. Yes, got you. Um, what I'll have y'all kind of, and then she can you know talk about it more when she's able to get on. But what uh, what I'll have y'all you know kind of done? What more have y'all talked about as kind of like goals that y'all want to do? Yeah. So one of the first things that we kind of did was we had like a space where we just kind of gathered people together to talk about different issues that they were facing on campus. Because I feel like. On campus, there's a lot of things that happen to students that maybe not everybody, even within the community, knows about. So one of the first things that we learned about was, like, a lot of students had experienced, like, Asian hate crimes against them. And so we allowed them to just, like, come in and just share their experiences. Because, you know, as black people, I feel like we all know what it feels like to, like, kind of face discrimination. So I think it was, like, a nice space for them to just come in and just be heard. And so that was, like, one of the first things that we kind of did. And then... 
The next thing we learned about this insurance policy at Baylor that um, discriminates against faculty that are in same-sex marriages. And so we were wanting to write an open letter and kind of just like discuss it with like the people in our group about how it kind of harms the faculty, especially during this pandemic, you're taking away health insurance for their spouses. And then the policy was really broad in the sense that it kind of just talked about how if you're in this relationship, you need to be like in a marital status. And I feel like it was kind of a very broad sense that was really confusing because they're kind of saying it like same sex individuals can't be married, but then like they can be married. And so it was just a very confusing thing. So we wrote an open letter to a lot of the leaders in the community, not in the community, at Baylor, basically kind of like targeting them, even though they have these Christian standards, like why are they discriminating against people? So that was one of the main things we did. And then, like, the last thing that we kind of did before we took, like, a nice little breather was our critical race theory protest. And that was in August, I believe, right before they passed it at the beginning of September, just talking about the, I guess, the law that they put in, the House Bill 3979. And so it's just kind of limiting the things that students can learn in schools and social studies and things like that. I'm a, um, I got some questions for you, but let me, let me call Virginia real quick. What's up, Regine? Uh, thank you for, you know, calling in and coming yes, on with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, sorry I couldn't be there in person. I'm not very good at planning and stuff. So, sorry, I had some conflicting plans. My bad. Oh, I got you. It's fine. No, I'm glad you were able to still, I'm glad we were able to accommodate, you know, this situation because it's kind of cool. We've never done anything virtually, so this is fun. Um, yeah. We already caught up with Tierra a little bit about just her telling her who she is and kind of, you know, how y'all met and stuff like that. Um, can you give like your side of it, like how y'all met and, um, you know, kind of what Unite is and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll give a little piece about it. Uh, so both me and Pierre are uh, graduate students at Baylor, of course, uh, in the chemistry graduate department. So that's kind of how we met. Pierre was actually one of the first people to reach out, with, <laughs> reach out to me in the first couple of uh, weeks in the semester. I used to go out of town a lot to visit family and stuff because I wasn't completely adjusted to the Waco, <laughs> like moving into a new city by myself, I wasn't completely adjusted yet. And I remember I met her, she invited me out the first night, and I was like, that was pretty cool. So uh, that's kind of how we met. And um, yeah, we started talking about Unite early in the semester, I think uh, when we first started at Baylor. Uh, we basically just wanted it to be like, I guess, not necessarily a coalition or anything too specific, but we just wanted it to be like, I guess a group of people that um, basically just want to talk about common issues. The most um, the most important topic that we wanted to hit on a lot was, of course, systemic racism and a lot of the stuff that was happening in the news uh, recently. We just wanted to be able to provide a safe space for students to talk about it, all students of color, any students affected by um, things related to systemic racism or oppression or any type of uh, discrimination touch. So that's mainly uh, what our goal is when it comes to me, right? Gotcha. No, that, yeah, yeah, no, I got you. Um, one thing to your mention, and uh, you know, either one of y'all can answer, um, is you is you mentioned y'all found the the kind of uh, like rule, you know, kind of against the comments, like you know, same sex, like um, what was it, uh, like you said, like uh, benefits and stuff, like Medicare and stuff like that. Yeah, how did y'all find that? Like, was that just like deep in some kind of like bylaws? And y'all just you know happen to like search it out, or like how did y'all come across that? Uh, 
at least for me, I think we heard about it from one of our friends. We uh, saw a petition on change.org that kind of listed out all the grievances of one of the previous alumni at Baylor. And the thing about Baylor is, like, it seems like once you graduate <laughs> and once you're out of the Baylor, like, system, it's easier to talk about issues and stuff like that. So I think it was a recent alum that started the whole uh, petition online. And I started reading up on it. But um, I think the – Sierra, feel free to jump in. I forget exactly which Baylor uh, policy it is, exact number, if you guys want to look up, look it up. But it's basically saying that um, same-sex um, employees and same-sex marriages can't get the same type of uh, insurance benefits when it comes to, like, medical, dental, and I think vision as well as um, opposite-sex uh, couples. Mainly based, I think their main reason was it wasn't um, – what was the word they used? Uh, yeah, I think it was either BUPPU 37, I believe, and it was just an insurance policy. And mm-hmm. we did, like, a lot of research into it, and they, like, cited some old, like, letter that they got from, like, 1980 saying that they're allowed to discriminate on these grounds just because they're a Christian university. Oh, wow. And so we started, like, mm-hmm. digging deeper into other Christian universities as well to see if this is, like, commonplace. And yeah. we saw yeah. that it's not commonplace. Like, a lot of... Christian universities, a lot of popular Christian universities, even Baptist universities have kind of started to, you know, be more welcoming to, like, faculty members and staff and students as well who are in same-sex relationships or have that type of sexuality. And so it was just kind of, like, weird to see Baylor kind of have this discrimination as well, especially in a pandemic. I think that was, like, the main reason why we were kind of like, why are they doing this, like, during a pandemic? And it was, like... It all came out whenever they're, like, trying to give vaccines to, like, spouses and dependents. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, are they going to even let, like, these people come yeah. to, like, allow them to give vaccines? And so it was really it was kind of scary <laughs> at that point. You would also think after same-sex marriage is, like, legalized across the board that a lot of stuff like that would just get thrown out. You know what I mean? It made some yeah. sense to, for it to, to hang around. That's crazy. That's, that's you yeah. know, yeah. I was going to ask if it's illegal. <laughs> Have, have they said anything back to y'all? Like you said, y'all, you know, sent out letters and stuff like that to, the, like, you know, those leaders in Baylor. Have they ever said anything back about it? No, so we actually, we're still drafting it, and gotcha. we haven't had the chance to send it out because we wanted to make it, like, a very, like, impactful thing. So we wanted to yeah. get a lot of people. So we were reaching out to a lot of different organizations, and we weren't actually able to hear from any organizations because there's actually a club at Baylor that's called, like, Gamma Alpha remember what it's yeah, called? Yeah, I think Gamma Alpha Epsilon or Gamma Alpha, um, something related to that. Yeah. But they're like a new um, a new group on campus. I think they just got approved uh, recently. They're like a queer club. And so we were trying to reach out mm-hmm. to them to like help us out and like also get like more voices because it wouldn't feel as impactful if it was just like me, Ray Jean, and like one of these other students. So we yeah. wanted a lot of people to like kind of help us out, but then we never got any words. So we kind of settled that a little bit. Gotcha. No, definitely don't. You know, you got our support. Or you got, I'll speak for, you know, you got my support. Um, that's a super crazy thing, I think. Um, you know, there's no place for that, especially now, like, when across the board is legal. You know, like, that you can't really, yeah, it's ethically wrong, and now you legally don't have a, st- a foot to stand on. So it really makes no sense that a, a school of Baylor's, like, stature still does stuff like that. Um, and then we also we also brought up the, the protests from last year. Um uh, could y'all go into a little bit more about that, like kind of just uh, the idea behind it, the kind of planning, stuff like that? 
Yeah. Either one. You can go ahead, Regine. You know, I, I introduced <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so we were protesting Bill uh, number 3979, which basically uh, recently um, uh, basically started limiting a lot of um, teachers in schools when it comes to talking about current events. Initially, when I heard about it, I was a little bit, uh, I misunderstood the ultimate uh, goal of the bill. I thought they were cutting out a lot of um, important teachings when it came to, like, black Americans in history, Hispanic Americans, so basically colored Americans in history. But uh, actually, after uh, rereading it, I figured out that that wasn't exactly uh, their goal there, because there are still teachings um, available about uh, MLK and such. But uh, one thing that is still limited in the bill is uh, talking about current events, like basically uh, teachers can't talk about um, current, event, current events in classrooms with a bias. So they'd have to present, if they did choose to speak about current events, they would have to present it in an unbiased manner, which me and Tierra were talking about it the other day, and it's really hard to do that, especially if you're talking about um, riots or anything that involves oppressing a certain type of people. It's hard to present that without a bias you know, to show that it's wrong. But so it seems like it's an unnecessary limitation. But we also talked about the other side of the coin. What if somebody presented it in a way where they presented that white supremacy was like good, you know, or uh, if they were biased towards that. So I guess it could go either way. But I feel like if you, if you're a teacher and you want to present current events, you shouldn't be restricted. Like you're biased, I guess shouldn't necessarily be restricted mm. but that's essentially what the bill is saying that you have to present it in an unbiased ma- unbiased manner if you do choose to talk about it and i think that's a i think it's crazy to me um the whole bill like i hated the whole bill when it was when it first caught wind and when it was about to be passed and stuff like that um and i i, I thought it was more so the last time i read about it right before it got um, passed. I thought it was more so saying that like they didn't have to teach it. Like it was almost optional, is what I got from it. And I thought that blew my mind because I you can't really cover this stuff up. Like it's, it's I, I know it's hard to talk about, but it's necessary things that we need to talk about. And that's probably the biggest, my biggest issue with the with the bill is kind of limiting, you know, conversation that these like kids need to have because these kids are going to be the ones that fix a lot of these issues if we don't get it right. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I really applauded y'all for doing that. I remember when Tier, when Tanea first told me about you know y'all's group and how y'all were trying to do something like that, I was like, I'm down. Like you know, like, yeah, what day are you trying to do it? That sounds. I I don't like this bill. I'm I'm all for trying to do what we can to just you know push back against it. Um, that was really mm-hmm. cool. You know, I really I really appreciate y'all doing that. Yeah, and I wish we had been able to garner a little bit more attention. But me and Tierra were talking about it the other day too. The way they write the bill and the way they like frame it. Like, it sounds good, but once you get down in the nitty-gritty of, like, the actual bill and read it, you can see where the limitations are. But they do present it well where it seems like it's a good thing, you know. But in reality, it's not if you're limiting somebody's way of teaching, I guess, the class or teaching current events that are crazy things that are happening in the world that are bad. Students should be able to learn that it's not very, that it's not good, you know. Yeah. yeah, and with like the planning that we went into it whenever we were just like opening up the space to like have conversations about it it felt like there was like 
almost like a little bit of pushback between people because of the way it was worded in the bill. So they're like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it doesn't sound that bad for us to, like, limit bias and teaching and things like that. But, like we said, like, whenever you look into it, like, just from the January 6th, like, riots when they stormed the Capitol, like, how are you supposed to say that in a way that isn't white supremacists storming mm-hmm. the Capitol? So mm-hmm. it's kind of a lot. And I don't know, it was just kind of hard to garner that attention because then it was, like, people weren't really understanding where we were coming from and why we wanted to hold the protests and why we thought it was bad, even when we explain these type of things. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. They understand. No, yeah. That, <laughs> I was about to say, they completely understand. They just don't. That's something that y'all shouldn't um, stress about either is the attention aspect of it because we've we've learned you know like from our experience they, stuff they like that they completely understand Waco is a really hard place to kind of keep um, a movement going kind of attention a spark going basically like I think uh, we talk about it all the time but twenty 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 in twenty twenty it was really trendy so a lot of people yeah we had support yeah we met a lot of people and networked and found people who really cared but at the same time you had people that are just out there so they can post on their instagram accounts so it's like now that everybody isn't doing that you're not going to find people who want to hop on a wave and like support you know like what the next big movement is there's a lot of people who like jazz said they know that this is wrong you know they shouldn't this isn't something that they should be supporting or let slide but they're going to let it slide because everybody isn't talking about it and that's that's really the, mm-hmm. the the sad truth about it but that's the truth yeah, because so, at the end of the day, they still have to go to dinner with their families. Yeah. And so I always try to remember that, like, I'm I'm really big on people seeing that they're our allies when they're not, um, because it's only when it's beneficial to them or when they're going to get something out of it. And that's kind of a hard lesson that we've all learned with starting different organizations. Um, it's just, you know, it, it comes with the territory. And like he said, you can't worry about the support because at the end of the day, there's no way that you can say what's not evil like it is what it is and i think um the idea of them wanting to say well you have to say this and there's no nice way to say some stuff and wanting to sugarcoat it it's like you can write it it's gone on for for centuries they write things well um to where it is well we didn't really you know come slaughter the native americans it was just a feast and it's like it wasn't a feast and so it's like time and time again we see these things history repeating itself and it's like at the end of the day whatever works for their benefit or how it can be worded and they look less of a monster that's how it's gonna go and that's kind of what i've come to terms with and it's just like 
you have some people who you are who you know are genuine. But at the end of the day, like you said, there's going to be pushback. Somebody's always going to be upset about, especially things like that. It's no way around it. But you just have to. It is the truth is the truth. I tell people all the time, like I'm going to tell my boys what happened, and if they go to school and they get in trouble, I'm going to. Yeah, I told them that <laughs> because it's and the truth. It? <laughs> yeah, it's the truth, and it's like at the end of the day, I don't want them growing up in a world where everything is sugar coated, and then they see what really happened, mm-hmm. or you know, they discover these things on their own, then they have questions, and they don't, then they don't trust their household. Because I think that's what's mm-hmm. going to start happening is you know, well, they go to school. Well, mommy, they said that Christopher Columbus was a good guy. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Yeah. And so <laughs> those things, like I feel like. As much as it sucks, like, it's up to us to teach the next generation of kids that are, you know, they're going to be at a disadvantage because they're going to think everything is sweet and they're still going to be police brutality. They're still going to get discriminated against. Um, It's just, it's hard, but I think the best thing that we can do is, like, we know we have limited government power. Even with that bill passing, I was really just kind of like, okay, that's, that's kind of a lot. I thought we were kind of pivoting in a different direction, but here we go again. But I think Mm -hmm. what we have to realize is we have to come to terms with things and take it upon ourselves to educate our own children Um, because it starts at home. And we're going to get a lot of phone calls, but (laughs) it is what it is. So I don't want y'all to get discouraged in your work because it just, it comes with the territory. I don't even know what else to say. Like you just got to keep planning and keep working because, I mean, there are people that will listen to you, but you do need to know that there are a lot of people that will not listen to you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, finding the people to network with that will help you um, get to the spaces that make you feel less uncomfortable or less, you know, like you don't, more supported and, and less uncomfortable. That's that's what we've all learned is, you know, more support um, and connecting with people that have like minds because y'all already get a disadvantage just being a Baylor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's true though. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> no, just, um, not nah, straight facts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, that's something that, that I basically want to say too. Yeah. Just don't, don't get this encouraged. And I already kind of said that. Um, what kind of what's next like for y'all do y'all kind of have you know ideas of what y'all want to do next or y'all just trying to you know um just you know get everything you know take a breather and fix you know get everything figured out we have to do that too like with blackson we've definitely taken a couple like all right let's you know stop for a second you know we regain our footing and try to figure out what's next for us so what do y'all have you know down the pipeline do you know do y'all know i think oh i think um at least right now (laughs) we're still in the process of trying to build up this organization of ours, trying to get a little bit more allies on our side, a little bit more support on our end. I guess because we're students as well, we have like a busy plate, especially this semester. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I don't know if we have a specific time frame in mind or anything uh, here, but I know right now we're trying to continue building up, seeing if there's any more, like I said, like-minded people around us at Baylor that are willing to, you know, join us in our fight <laughs> to make a change. Yeah, I think one of the main things that we've also been trying to do is kind of like bridge the gap between Baylor and the community. So like trying to find spaces where we can also just like 
have all like-minded people within Waco just kind of come together and talk about it because sometimes even with like the stuff that happens on campus I feel like sometimes the students just don't feel heard either and that's kind of discouraging mm -hmm. for them because like you go into the world and yeah you say like not everybody is paying attention but then like is it always gonna be like this where you're just sitting here like maybe sitting quietly in the library and then they're policing you for being in the library stuff mm. like that so mm -hmm. like, that's like our next step too trying to work with different organizations and i know you guys are in some organizations so it would be really cool to like collaborate with you as well yeah i was gonna say i know that um we worked i don't know if y'all know quavis but um yeah i don't know how y'all don't know quavis, <laughs> 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 uh, quavis works yeah quavis works at baylor um and then um adam adam Moore works at baylor um lane murphy they all work at baylor and these are all people um that we've worked with or at least you know have conversations with so there are people on your campus um that are on the same wave as y'all are so i don't mm -hmm. want y'all to feel that way it's just not many it's far and few but something that quavis has been trying to do is bridge the gap between baylor and the community because there is one mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. if you're from waco the the whole the whole thought process is that baylor is its own city and that's just really <laughs> how we feel because we've it's it's never been a connection other than going to like the parades or the, the games. There's not any really any community involvement from Baylor, and so I think that's one of the big things is like um, bringing in people. You know, I did a um, Black History panel last year with Baylor, and um, we've been working. You know, Quavis has been trying to connect us with Solid Gold Neighbor and different things, those different programs, um, because we we know that there's an issue. And just, like, they developed, like, some kind of um, program where they allow, like, local small-owned businesses or, like, the food trucks to come on campus for y'all because that's never been a thing. So there are avenues that they have been taking to try to facilitate that relationship with Baylor in the community. It's just mm -hmm. it takes more than one person to do that. And I feel like Quavis mm -hmm. has been, you know, on his own pretty much in – in that effort um but that's a great resource to have Quavis <laughs> no, pretty much knows everybody I don't know how he did it but he does and um Lane Lane Murphy he bought one of the historically black churches here and he's working on you know renovating mm -hmm. that and making it like uh it's, it's already a landmark so he's working on making that something that people are able to come to to you know get education on black history and things like that and then um Adam has a magazine called lost in waco and um he does analog and so there are people that are open to give space i feel like adam would love to talk to y'all um i don't know if this is only something that y'all are wanting to stay at baylor or if y'all are thinking about whenever y'all do graduate what it looks like for y'all to continue doing this but i think yeah. it's a great idea um just like i said <laughs> you got to find like-minded people and sometimes it's hard especially being here i don't know where y'all are from but um I know y'all didn't grow up in Waco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a whole different, and it's probably not, wh where are y'all from? Uh, I'm from Houston. Okay. Yeah. Originally. Okay. Mm -hmm. So not too far, but moved from. Okay. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. from all over the place, really. My dad was in the military, so I've lived in a lot of, like, small towns. Smaller than Waco, which is, I feel like, hard for people to believe sometimes. No, it's not. I'm from Marlin. Marlin's smaller than Waco. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So you have more of a, a diverse view on life, probably, than a lot of us do. Mm -hmm. But even, like, being from Houston, I don't know what port okay. you're from. My family lived in Third Ward. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, you know, if, if 
if Third Ward was like just a city, like you just imagine how the black community in Waco, you know, feel about what's not within their reach and it's in within their reach. Like they don't have the resources, they don't have the connection. So it's like, you know, it's kinda you you are where you are and your place is your place. Um, you don't really step outside of that. So it's it's kinda hard. Um, but there are a lot of people that will support y'all. Um, most of them are older, <laughs> the older black community and they're very sweet, but they're very straightforward, but they will help y'all. So it's just about making those connections and not being afraid to say, Hey, you know, we're in Baylor, especially reaching out to the African American chamber of commerce because they have more connections than anybody. Cause they have, you know, that they know, they know who everyone is, you know, yeah, all of the black. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's making the connections and it may be uncomfortable, but just reaching out and trying to connect with people who will support you. And there are also um, Lucas Land. He works for CASA. Um, they have those communities for the LGBT community. Um, they have those resources and stuff. And so, like, for the bill that y'all are trying to pass, you just have to kind of, you know, ask around, like, who do y'all know? And the people that didn't respond to y'all, they might not be for y'all. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you mind passing on that contact information? Yeah, I'll send yeah. it. I'll send it to y'all. Okay, cool. That would be great, actually. Of course. Yeah, I've never heard of. Uh, you said Quavis. Quavis Peacock. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. Quavis. Okay. Yeah, definitely sounds like somebody <laughs> we'd want to get connected with. Yeah, no Quavis is what we call a community plug. Yeah. <laughs> Quavis has an episode on Stories of the Street. So does Ad, uh, so does Adam Moore. His episode will be yeah. on this and, season. And, um, and Lane, Lane does yeah, as well. Lane, Lane's episode is already streaming, so y'all can all you know go listen to those. Not not just y'all, but like you know, the audience. <laughs> um, um, I don't think I have nothing else. I I think you know, um, if if yeah, no, I think I'm good. Do you have anything else, Josh? No, because you know I just started talking. <laughs> <laughs> do y'all have um, do y'all have anything y'all want to plug? Like any you know uh, social medias, any you know websites, anything that y'all want to just shout out? Um, unite Facebook in the works. It'll be out soon. Working on it. Uh, we don't have a direct uh, website quite yet, but uh, I guess um, a unite Facebook would be the first on our list to get done. So keep. Uh, keep your eye out for that. Uh, Tia, do you have anything else? No, I think that's it. Everything I can. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all coming on again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for you know spending some time with us. And as always, I'm Davey R. And I am Jasmine. And you can email us if you're trying to be a guest at storiesofthestreets at gmail.com. That's T-H-A streets at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram. Yep. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yes. it. Because last time we said Twitter, we don't have Twitter. Mike be adding me when when an episode drops. So I'll be like, okay, yeah, Twitter. We don't have a Twitter. No, we don't have a Twitter. Um, but we're Stories of the Streets <laughs> underscore on Instagram and Stories of the Streets on Facebook. Um, and if you want to be a sponsor, we're always accepting donations. Give us some money. Email yeah. us, hit us up, <laughs> or email Mike. Or DM us. That too. Right. Yeah. Thank y'all. Thank you. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Thank you.